so, is is there something that we should talk about? Any of you have any questions before we begin our practice? I'd like to hear you speak about um, offerings and the purpose of offerings. The purpose of offerings. And what kind of offerings? Mental, physical, and so forth. Just the whole subject of offering. Well, there is the practice of generosity and the perfection of generosity, which, from my personal point of view, I think is the most important thing of all. There is a tradition of making offerings uh, to the Sangha that is well established in most Buddhist countries. Uh, And there are, of course, in some traditions, offerings made to various deities, Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. And these have a specific place in specific practices. Offerings to the Sangha I think are an important kind of generosity because they help to to preserve the teachings by helping to preserve uh, the teachers, the people that have uh, dedicated their lives to thoroughly mastering the teachings and being able to pass them along, preserve them. And of course, in the monasteries, that's where the uh, that's where the texts have been preserved and copied and recopied and so forth. And the Oposita day observance that the Buddha set aside is a time for lay people to join with the Sangha. And the, uh, uh, and the ordained Sangha is specifically advised by the Buddha to do teachings on this day. As a matter of fact, in, in the Winaya, which is the uh, part of the uh, original teachings of the Buddha that describe the, uh, the rules that the monks and nuns must follow. There's a story there that when he first uh, set aside the Uprosita day observance, that lay people would come and the monks would just sit around and meditate and wouldn't say anything and they'd complain. <laughs> so he said, <laughs> this is not what we do. Your job is to teach the Dharma, to answer questions, to, to guide people on this day. So by supporting supporting the Sangha, that is what has preserved the, the Buddhist tradition over the 25 centuries, is that lay people have supported the Sangha in various ways, the, the ordained Sangha. When I say Sangha, the Sangha has three names, but the ordained Sangha, and then there is a Sangha at large, which includes all people who are follow, who the entire community of people who are following the Buddhist path. And then there is the Aryan Sangha, which is of those people who have already attained to at least the first of the stages of enlightenment. Now, traditionally, it said making offerings to the Sangha and to monks is a higher form of generosity than uh, giving to other people. I'm somewhat dubious that that's what the Buddha actually meant. I think that's something that maybe has served the institute, the monastic institution, 
quite well. <laughs> but the important thing is generosity. So what I'd like to speak about and answer your question is generosity. Uh, we, the goal of our practice is to make the necessary changes in ourselves that lead us to awakening. Because once we have achieved our own awakening, then we can do, we can practice the greatest kind of service to others by uh, teaching and guiding and helping others to come to awakening as well. So, within that context, we would recognize that the practice of generosity, which is you know, the first of the uh, perfections, the perfection of generosity. This is a practice that is intended to help us to make the changes that we need to achieve our own awakening. And so if we look at it in that way, we realize that generosity is the opposite of greed, lust, desire, our own grasping, clinging, and attachment to various kinds of things. And so if we endeavor to practice generosity, if we take that as a personal goal and practice, this is going to bring us into direct confrontation with our own attachment. You know, so when it comes to making a donation of money, how much money do I donate? Right away, there you are, right in front of just how attached are you? And so it, it serves a very valuable purpose in this just by simply making you aware. Just by making you aware. At least if you bring mindfulness to that. You bring, if you observe what's taking place in your own mind, if you observe the sort of inner struggle that may come up, or the reluctance, or I'm willing to give to her but not him, or more to this person than that, or I'm willing to give this kind of thing but not that kind of thing. This, I mean, that could just go by without you learning anything from it, but if if you've taken up this practice, you should have already learned enough to realize that that you need to be mindful of what's going on with you every time you're in any kind of situation like this and allow that mindful awareness to examine and explore exactly what's taking place. What is the dynamic and what does it mean? And what does it reveal in terms of your own desire? Because... Uh, desire in all of its different forms and aversion in all of its different forms and ignorance which whenever it is present desire and aversion will manifest these three are the root of all of our unwholesome thoughts and speech and activities and so this practice of generosity is is a practice that's directed towards overcoming uh, desire through becoming mindfully aware of our attachments. But then also through us, when we learn to recognize our attachment, then the important thing to do 
with desire and attachment when you become aware of it is to see if you can replace that particular mental state which is inherently unwholesome and which is will inherently inherently uh, cause you to suffer more and to engage in unwholesome action. So uh, if you can replace that unwholesome mental state of desire and attachment with a wholesome mental state of generosity, of loving kindness, of, of caring for and giving to others, of compassion for the circumstances for others, uh, and then that allows you to act in a way that can relieve in some way the suffering of others, which, by the way, helps to remind you that that's we're all suffering beings. And, Life, life is difficult, and we all have our own different trials and uh, different crosses to bear. But nobody's nobody's life is perfect, and so when we have an opportunity to actually do something, to perform an action that is going to be of benefit to somebody else, to relieve the the difficulty and unsatisfactoriness in their life. That's a manifestation of compassion and uh, at least another state of generosity and a generous action. So that's, this, this is what we want to do. Uh, one interesting teaching of the Buddha, he said, when I was just a Bodhisattva, I noticed that uh, all of my actions arose out of uh, certain roots and that there were unwholesome roots of desire, lust, grasping, and of aversion, hatred, uh, of dislike, and of, uh, uh, and of cruelty and the wish to inflict harm. And so I then recognized that all of my wholesome actions came out of their opposites, out of uh, loving kindness and generosity, out of compassion and patience, uh, and, and out of uh, harmlessness and the desire rather to help and protect other beings. And so uh, this is another part of the training is to deliberately replace unwholesome mental states with wholesome mental states, to recognize when unwholesome mental states are present uh, and to let go of them and prevent unwholesome mental states from arising and to uh, cause unarisen wholesome mental states to arise and once they have arisen to perpetuate them. So the practice of generosity is about doing this. Then in order to understand generosity, we have to look at what are the things that we desire and, and grasp and cling to. And the simplest way, the most simple-minded way of regarding generosity is to say, oh, that means giving money. That means donating money. So I'll give money to the temple, I'll give money to the monastery, and I will obtain great benefit for myself by, by donation. And if I'm very wealthy, maybe I'll establish a school or build a new building for the monastery or something like that. So 
giving money. Money is only one kind of material object that can be given. And of course, the, the temple and the monastery are only one kind of donor to whom that you can give these things. We, what we all have in common, we are material beings in a material world, we have material needs, and we are attached to material possessions, and, and we have needs for them. So, broaden this, it's not money, it is material objects of any kind. So, your generosity uh, should encompass any sort of material thing. We desire material things. And we wish not to lose the material things that we already have. Um, we, we like it when we gain and we wish to avoid loss. And just as we do, so does everyone else. So um, the practice of generosity with regard to material things allows us to recognize our attachment when it's there, examine in terms of what do we need and what is just arising out of just simple desire, desire out of control desire, exaggerated desire, attachment, and so forth. And when we see somebody else who has material, has needs for these kinds of material things, then we can make that decision that I have this, it's more than I need, I can share this. Or perhaps even the depth of your generosity would reach the point where I, I need this too, but this other person needs it more. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is, it's a practice. It's a practice you do to learn and transform yourself and change, change those processes of your mind that are creating problems for you into the kinds of processes that make your life better and happier. That's what the objective is. But it also extends to loss. You don't want to lose things, neither does someone else. So you could even regard protecting other people's property as a practice of generosity as well. But what are the other things? Well, there's not just material things. There are uh, pleasures, pleasure and pain. And so any way that you can relieve the pain of someone else and increase the pleasure for someone else in an appropriate way, of course, this is also a kind of generosity. So rubbing somebody's shoulders when they're tense, you know, there's an infinite number of ways. And you know yourself that you desire pleasure in its various sensual forms and that you want to avoid pain and that this natural inclination can become an exaggerated uh, pursuit of sensual pleasure and grasping after sensual pleasure. So you can practice recognizing this when it happens and giving it up, or sometimes even giving it away. The last brownie on the plate, right? Things like that, all kinds of different ways. Um, in addition to gain and loss and pleasure and pain, which are things that are 
where that arouse our desire and give us opportunity to practice generosity. There is also uh, we want to be uh, loved. We want to be admired. We want to be praised. And uh, of course, we want to avoid the opposites. We uh, being disliked or being blamed or or being uh, despised, right? And just as we do, so does everyone else. So we can practice generosity by making other people feel loved, by praising other people, uh, by uh, expressing our admiration for other people. And when we find ourselves pursuing those kinds of things, when we when we recognize it, oh well, I'm what I'm trying to do here by this action or what I'm after in the way I'm speaking right now in this group is I want to win praise, I want to be admired. You know, when you recognize that, just recognize, be aware. Well, here I am. This is desire. This is grasping. Uh, in some instances, it may not be causing much of a problem. In others, it could be very inappropriate what you're doing. Um, the problem is that if you allow yourself to regularly behave in a way that is in, in search of praise and admiration, then there won't be that kind of discrimination in your actions between those things that are not really creating problems and those things that are very clearly inappropriate. The other thing, too, is that we can even go so far as accepting the blame for somebody else. That's a pretty dramatic form of generosity, but we can do that. But the same principle is there. When you learn to see what your own attachments are, your own thing, your own desires, and examine them with mindfulness. And to whatever degree that you can, you can try to replace the unwholesome compulsion to gain these things for yourself with the uh, desire instead for the well-being and happiness of others and let that serve them in whatever way you can. Another thing that we naturally tend to want for ourselves uh, to the degree that we're able to obtain it, we would like to be famous. We would like to be powerful. We would like to be influential. And this drives some people very, very strongly. People who find themselves in a situation where they actually uh, have power want more power. And everyone given the opportunity to be famous is going to be tempted to grasp onto that fame and incorporate that into their idea of themselves and their ego structure. This is very harmful to you. After all, uh, one of the things that we've talked a lot about is the need to overcome our attachment to the ego self. But our desire for fame is uh, very harmful to us in that regard because it hugely inflates this sense of self and the attachment to it. So recognize that amongst the things that you are attached to is, uh, or, or can be attached to is, is fame, 
uh, power and influence in all of its different forms. And of course, the opposites are things that we, we don't want. You know, we, we, we don't want to be infamous. We don't want to be uh, powerless. Uh, you know, we, we don't want to be impotent and have no influence. That's normal. So everyone else is the same. We can be generos- generous with regard to these things, not through encouraging an unwholesome attachment to self-aggrandizement that somebody else may be experiencing, by, by helping them not to feel powerless, not to feel unknown and insignificant, not to feel uh, uh, impotent and uninfluential. So we can consciously give up these things in ourselves, but we can also serve other people in a positive way in terms of the needs that they do have. So that's that's what I would say about generosity, which is where I would go with offering. You get attached to the idea of being of trying to please others and stuff. Can that be a, a negative? Or um, it's a become it it the behavior can be definitely be a negative depending on what the motivation is. It's it's always the intention, it's the internal process. And there are those people who they have psychological problems, neurosis, terrible lack of self-esteem, and they're always trying to win the favor of other people in some ways. And that's not healthy, because it's actually, I mean, the action itself, they may do things for people that are helpful and, and serve them, but it's, it's not coming from a place that's good for the person. You know? And they need to deal with, uh, uh, they need to deal with their own problems so that they can perform positive actions coming from a positive motivation. I think we probably all know what that, Anyone else have anything to say? Any, any other questions or topics? Or? Do, do you, Annie? Yeah. Everyone's meditation practice is going well. The important thing is that you know how to practice and you know what you need to do in terms of whatever kind of experience you're having in your meditation practice. So 